Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember, subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now on our 23rd episode of 2023. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank Wesco, the platinum sponsor for Fiber the Breakfast. And I'd like to thank Graybar, the gold sponsor. I'm joining you today from beautiful Santiago, Chile, where we're holding our first of two Latin American regional Fiber Connect conferences. You know, yesterday's amazing. We just had a great turnout in the contest was fantastic. You know, last week in Washington, the president signed in law the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023, which suspends the public debt limit through January 1, 2025, and prevents any default. As part of the agreement, the callbacks of broadband-related programs was included. However, it should have a minimal impact as that much of the spending of these funds has already been spent, and the programs affected included the FCC's telehealth program from CARES, the Connecting Minority Communities pilot program, the Broadband Infrastructure Program and Tribal Connectivity Fund, but not the $2 billion that was added from the IIJA. And then also the Rural Development uh, Programs from RUS on distance learning, telemedicine, and broadband programs. Also, um, we saw yesterday the U.S. Conference of Mayors adopted a resolution opposing the permanent legislation from the House Energy and Commerce Committee that passed a couple weeks ago. The mayors adopted a resolution opposing the bill that would set shot clocks for state and local broadband permitting processes. The mayors also said that HR 3557 would preempt local government rights of way, compensation, management authority, zoning powers, cable franchising. Basically, they just didn't like the idea that they're getting preempted. Um, The FBA, though, we support permitting reforms that will allow the expedited deployment of fiber broadband. And we'll continue to work at the federal and local levels to identify paths forward. I'm really excited about Texas. So on June 2nd, the governor signed State Bill 1238 into law, which clarifies broadband speed standards, updates mapping requirements and language, and authorizes the Broadband Development Office to award grants, loans, and other incentives for broadband expansion projects in the state. But most importantly, it includes a preference for fiber project. This is a huge change from their comptroller that put a press release out saying that they were gonna be technology neutral and looking at fixed wireless. So um, it's great to see the governor and the, the, the state of Texas has seen the light, so to speak. Um, our next regional fiber connect workshops coming up very quickly in Lake Tahoe, California on June 21st. So we hope to see you there in beautiful Squaw Valley um, for this really important educational event. And also registrations open for Fiber Connect 23 in Orlando, August 20 to 23rd. This will be the biggest and best fiber broadband event in the world this year with over 4,000 attendees and amazing programs. This event sells out and um, we've actually seen early registration being the, the, the fastest in the history of Fiber Broadband Association. So don't wait around the book and get your room. This is going to be an awesome event. So that brings us to today's Fiber for Breakfast session with David Eckert of Nokia to discuss no regrets, how to make the most of a once-in-a-lifetime investment 
you know, last week on Fire for Breakfast, we heard from Ophir Schwartz, the founder and CEO of Capcom Networks, who discussed rural broadband operators, internet exchanges, peering, and the user experience. This was a great session to learn how rural operators can save 15% to 35% using internet exchanges while improving network performance. So if you missed it, you'll want to catch the replay of that one. Today on Fiverr Breakfast, we had the pleasure of hearing from David Eckert from Nokia on a topic titled, No Regrets, How to Make the Most of a Once-in-a-Lifetime Investment. You know, David's the Vice President of Broadband Partners um, at Nokia, overseeing the company's response to this historical influx of capital from various federal and state funding programs that aim to close the digital inequities in our country. Since 1999, David has been a key contributor, advocate, and industry leader for the creation and adoption of fiber optic access in the United States and around the world. He brings a unique multidisciplinary perspective to the industry and serves as a trusted consultant to executives, policymakers, industry decision makers on market and technology challenges. He's previously held various leadership positions in Nokia as the Vice President of Strategy and Technology for North America, Vice President of Business Strategy for Optical Network Products Division, the Chief Technical Officer for the Fixed Network Division, and he has overseen the development and investment of key enabling technologies that allowed Nokia to be a trusted partner for next generation fiber networks. So with all that, David, welcome. And for audience, please type in your questions that go and we'll work them into the Q&A. So let's get things rolling. I'll turn things over to David. Gary, thank you so much for having me on this program. I, and again, uh, hats off to, to you and the FBA for everything you're doing. I mean, uh, we truly are at this moment of time where, you know, uh, we have it's 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 in our hands uh, to be able to actually uh, to deploy and to to execute. Um, you know, I've been part of this industry for the last almost 25 years, uh, working with fiber technology, uh, working with uh, the different uh, uh, you know, uh, so operators, stakeholders, and so forth to be able to deploy these networks. And we've come a very very long way from when I first started doing ATM pond back in the the early uh, late 90s to the you know, the 2000s here. So it's, it's it's amazing going from 155 megabits to now over 100 gigabits. So uh, really inc incredible. But, you know, as a child, you know, one of the things that I always had as a child, I always had my one date uh, on my calendar circled. It was my birthday. You know, we, we wanted to, we had this set of expectations that we were going to receive uh, some great gifts and some, some uh, you, know, kind of like, you know, congratulations and so forth. You know, as an adult, unfortunately, our birthdays are, have a different set of lists uh, that are associated with them. But the one on my calendar today that's truly one that I, I, I really have gold starred and circled and so forth uh, is June 30th. June 30th is that date that is truly that uh, we're all waiting for to see what NTIA does in terms of actually uh, assigning to the states what their allocation of this bead dollars are going to be. And uh, to, and, and again, I've been talking with many, many states. They are eager to get this process moving forward. Um, and so, yeah, I, June 30th is such a special date for all of us. Um, and so on this eve, you know, one of the things that uh, I hear from you know, operators, I hear from state broadband directors, uh, you know, constituents of these different communities and so forth, is how do we do this right the first time? How do we ensure that we will have no regrets in building this next generation network that's going to be not just for us today, but for our children, their children, and their children? 
this is truly, as I like to say, this is our electrification moment. You're referring back to what happened a hundred years ago with you know, bringing you know, truly the light, as you said earlier, and showing the light, uh, seeing the light, but truly bringing this, uh, you know, this type of uh, these networks, you know, into our, our communities and so forth. So if you go to the next slide, please. Uh, one of the things that, you know, as I hear from these, these different, um, you know, uh, stakeholders uh, is, you know, how do I make sure we have no regrets? And so one of the first things I like to look at is how are today, how are we actually consuming the access network? Um, and the easiest way to look at it is simply looking at the, the, the different subscription plans that uh, operators are actually offering to their subscribers. And so if I actually take a, a look at what's happened uh, to date, um, one of the things that's really notable is that, you know, early on when we first started doing gigabit networks to people's homes, the take rate was fairly low. Um, but over the last year, even after the last, let's say two years, even after the pandemic, what we've seen is the adoption of, of gigabit networks truly uh, being that the, the, one of the main, uh, say, service plans that they're taking. Now, we can argue truly, is there a killer new use case that's driving this? Probably not. But what I would tell you is that from a commercial standpoint, what I see is operators being able to use these different service plans as a way to differentiate from some of the incumbent uh, uh, providers and to actually create that, that separation between their service uh, packages and so forth that they can offer to their subscribers. Now, that's interesting, but there's, uh, I would say, a net benefit of all of this work or all these different type of plans is that it's starting to change the behavior of how we all use uh, our access uh, you know, networks. Um, and so, you know, if, if, if we look at how, you know, with gigabit connectivity, especially now with this bead money coming in, truly gigabit connectivity going, you know, in a ubiquitous manner to all edges of this, uh, of, of the network and of this country, you can only imagine the type of applications that are going to actually happen. So this is going to be a, a, interesting to see how, you know, as, you know, I think next year you're going to see more and more service plans going to that 500 and above uh, type of take rate. So what, what is that doing to our networks? You go to the next slide. So one of the things that's going to our, our to our networks is that um, it's it's challenging the way that uh, you know we are planning for those networks. So when we plan an access network, we want to ensure that we're not just planning for today's needs. We're actually really planning for tomorrow's needs as well. And so one of the things, if you actually look at a, 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 a FTTH network or a fiber network, it is a point to a multi-point. Uh, topology, meaning at the central office, you have a single port and it's broadcasting out to maybe 32, possibly 64 homes. And so we would actually look at the amount of traffic that is actually on that network at any given time. You would see it kind of indicated here by this white and blue on the left-hand side of a GPON type of network. You would see this is the type of demand typically uh, that we that we actually see today. For today, what we see for what we think is going to be, we're going to see in 25, and then also what we think is going to be for 2030. Now we have two different ranges here. One's more of a moderate uh, usage pattern and that one's a more heavy usage pattern. And again, as more and more services are going over the top, we're gonna to see more and more tendency to go towards that heavy usage pattern, especially when there's certain events. You know, we have a, was a game three tonight with uh, Denver and, and Miami, and, and I guarantee in those communities, you're gonna see more and more of that blue being utilized uh, as, they, uh, as, a, you know, as they watch the game. So the challenge with it is, is that we're starting to run into some capacity issues with, with GPON, um, and we're already seeing it today. But again, it's GPON is being widely deployed today. It's been de deployed for the last 15 years 
uh, and it is our gold standard. But we're already looking at the next generation technologies that are already coming out. And this is what we're bringing to the market. The industry as a whole is bringing to the market. And so if we look at XGS, which is now 10 gigabits uh, uh, networks, as well as 25 gig, you're starting to see the amount of capacity that we're actually you know, enabling for this network. Um, now, you can look at this and say, well, wait a second, you know, GPON, yes, we're exhausting, uh, starting to exhaust that. Well, XGS, you know, hey, this is going to get us for the next probably 17, maybe 20 years. Uh, and I would agree that the challenge that we have, and again, predicting the future, uh, you know, is a very big challenge. You know, uh, we just had these new, uh, uh, you know, VR goggles released this past week. And if you've got 3,500 bucks, you can actually probably have access to it. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, when we have low latency, high capacity networks in a ubiqu you know, covering the entire country, you can only imagine the type of applications and the drive for bandwidth that it's going to cause. So I wonder, and again, I just wonder what this curve is going to look like. I don't think it's going to be a nice logarithmic curve. I think it's going to be just like it has been in the past, a nice exponential curve. So, you know, when we build these networks, one of the first things we want to ensure that with, with this no regrets is that we're building the right type of networks. And again, a fiber network is that uh, type of network that's going to provide that level of, of no regrets. But again, I'll go back to the capacity challenge and question. Um, yeah. So we think we're good. We think we're good. And we can maybe guess about some of those applications that are coming. But one of the things we've heard loud and clear from, um, you know, our, our customers uh, and from different operators and different, uh, you know, stakeholders in these communities, especially as we go to very, the, you know, into, to these underserved uh, and unserved areas of, uh, of, uh, of this country who truly have been, you know, uh, let's say from an economic perspective, had a, a quite a bit of challenges. And one of the things that we see is that um, if you go to the next slide, one of the things you see is that, you know, as we've come out of this pandemic, the behavior that we've, we've learned from this pandemic, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, working from home, doing a hybrid work environment or working in the office, you know, the tools that we use, the way that we communicate, the way that we work on a daily basis is forever changed. Uh, no longer are we actually, you know, using, let's say, tools that are you know, on site, especially, uh, you know, uh, servers and so forth that are in your in your office, we're all using, you know, Office 365, Teams, WebEx, uh, Zoom, you know, go, you know, go to meeting uh, and so forth. These are all tools that we're all using. And so if we actually look at, you know, what enterprise services and business services are, are, are utilizing today, it's all going to the cloud. We, we know this. We know this. Uh, we're living it. But I think what's interesting is to see the scale of which this is going to accelerate. And so, you know, we've come out of this pandemic and you can, you can kind of see a, a little bit of a historic uh, uh, trend from you know, 2018 prior to the pandemic to today. And it's been a pretty good growth. But between now and 2023, what's highlighted there in yellow on the left-hand side, between you know, the next five years, you're going to see a doubling of the, the type of, of service revenue that's going to be coming from software as a service. So all the applications we're using today are going to be in the cloud. And they're going to be very, very content rich, uh, a lot of video, a lot of data, uh, data, a lot of workloads that are going back and forth. And again, the challenge that we have is that coming from this, you know, work from home, work, uh, you know, you know, here I'm in the office today and I can tell you I've got a gigabit network at my house. The network at my house is much better than what I have in my office. And so there's this expectation that when we are working from home and we now move into this hybrid work environment, we want to have the same type of experience. Uh, and again, as the tools move more and more to the cloud, 
um, we're going to have that degree of expectation. And so traditionally, you know, mom and pop uh, type of uh, you know, small, medium-sized businesses, and now increasingly enterprises, um, are going to be looking for that type of connectivity that can provide that same level of service that you would actually have when you're you know, running from home and running those applications from home. And so you see on the uh, right-hand side, again, this is, this is coming from Analyst Mason, you know, you actually now have a bigger uptake of using fiber to the home uh, uh, technology to actually drive uh, those, uh, those, those workloads um, and, and be that connectivity. And again, it's coming at the expense of the cable network. And again, cable, uh, you know, Doxis uh, 3.0 and 3.1 have been the workhorse for many of these small, medium-sized businesses. But the challenge with it is that the upstream bandwidth has always been the bottleneck. And again, as we have more and more behavior changes of how our content is being, you know, not just being consumed, but being produced and being uploaded back into the network, that's going to forever change the way that uh, we're going to be using the network. So my point here is I think you know, as we go forward in time, we're going to continue to keep seeing more and more uh, adoption of fiber networks. And that is one of the real the drivers for what we see with, let's say, 20, uh, 10 gig and more importantly, with 10 gig, or 25 gig uh, pond networks is that they want to be able to offer not necessarily 25 gig to everybody's home, but for certain customers, be able to offer at least a 10 gigabit service to that particular enterprise. And so the networks that they're building, when they're building to all points in this country, they want to make sure they're capturing not just the residential uh, subscribers, but really also capturing the more high valued uh, customers for, for business services and really enterprise services as well. So getting to the technology, well, how are we actually going to unleash this infinite amount of capacity? Uh, if you look on the left-hand side, uh, starting on that side, we, we're looking at using more and more spectrum. And, and we've tried to use more and more spectrum in the past. And the challenge with using more and more spectrum is, is, is the complexity of it all. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But as I mentioned to you before, the way that we build these fiber optic networks for, for uh, FTTH networks, it's, it is a point to multi-point type of network. So you have an OLT in the central office and at your home, you have something called an ONT. And between those two, you actually have what we call a passive optical network. This is a network that once you uh, build this, and again, 70, 80% of the cost of, of, of all this network is going into the ground or in aerially, um, this is where the, the bill is. And so we want to ensure, the first no regret we want to ensure is that this network, we never have to touch it again. Once it's deployed, it is going to be upgradable by simply upgrading the endpoints. And the way we do that is on day one, let's, let's say as an example, today GPON is our, is our gold standard, as I mentioned before. And we would use one particular set of wavelengths or a color of light. Uh, and in this case, I'm showing this as, as, a, as the, blue, uh, the blue signal there. And so we would actually have at the OLT, we'd have a plug in the OLT that actually was uh, enabling a GPON type of network. And it would be broadcasted to all those 32 homes. Now, at some point in time, you know, one of those homes may want to take a new service tier. And so we would actually now, the operator would then offer XGS Ponder to be able to, to increase the speeds to that uh, subscriber. They'd offer a new technology such as XGS. Well, the way we would do that is simply you unplug in the, at the OLT, you unplug the optical module and you plug in a new one that would simply enable uh, both the GPON color as well as the XGS color. And so looking and going down that fiber, you actually are enabling another color of light. So we're using more and more spectrum. And we're using it mainly for coexistence and backwards compatibility so that we have a very smooth uh, upgrade uh, procedure from one technology to another. 
And the benefit of this is, is that, you know, again, on that, that day you upgrade to XGS, for instance, you can actually keep those subscribers on GPON as they were and only selectively upgrade those endpoints when you need to. And so that allows the operator to, to be able to smoothly transition from one technology generation to the next. And so again, just like with, uh, with uh, XGS, with 25 GigPon, for instance, we can do the same thing. So if a business, a high-end business or enterprise in that same area wants to take service and they need to offer that higher capacity, they simply unplug that OLT module and put another one in. And so that is one of the first no regrets is that yes, we want to ensure that once the fiber is built, we actually are bringing the technology to, to, to be able to smoothly upgrade from one technology to the next. We're continuing to keep uh, increasing speeds higher and higher and higher. Again, as I mentioned to you before, we start off with 155 megabits. We uh, actually, just a year ago, we actually demonstrated at Fiber Connect in Nashville, our 100 gig pond uh, demonstration kit, and we actually did it uh, uh, earlier this year with, with FBA as well. Again, this, this incredible technology coming out of my colleagues from, from Bell Labs. But one of the things that I really want to stress is that, you know, in the access space, one of the big challenges is that it's about access is all about cost. Uh, and when we have more and more complexity in, in, in the actual active electronics, it drives the cost up. And unfortunately, you know, cost and volume are, are very much, you know, uh, tied together. And so if we don't get the volume, we don't get the cost. We don't get the cost. We don't have the volume. That's why with, with XGS and with 25 gig pond, if you were to actually go and look at the components inside the optical module, if you go to look at the components inside the ONT and the OLT, they're actually the same. And what I mean by that is that it's the same type of technology, the same type of EMLs and DMLs on the transmit, on the lasers, the, 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 the type of direct modulated lasers and so forth. And it's the same type of APD receivers and, and so forth that are, are taking that light and converting it into electrical signal that are you know, the ones and zeros going into the actual ONT and eventually out into your home. It's the same technology, the same class of technology, and it's just simply a better tweaking of that technology that we can continue to go from GPON to XGS to 25 gig and simply make process improvements to get better and better quality parts but we're not fundamentally changing the design of those, of those uh, components. Now, when we look to go to 50 gig, we look to go to 100 gig, and of course, if we look to go, to, to go beyond looking at coherence and so forth, now we're looking at very different types of, uh, of, of, of technology to enable that. And again, when we have this kind of technology stuff that, that you see here, um, that technology stuff equates to, to dollars and to money. Um, and, at some point for certain services, such as very high end enterprise services, we have, yes, we do believe 50 gig will be a part of this. We believe 100 gig will be part of this. Um, but we think, you know, we really strongly believe at 25 gig, there is a place for this for SMB type of businesses. So again, you know, from a, 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 a technology perspective, you know, I will tell you that, uh, you know, Nokia with our supply chain, with our technology innovation, uh, with our worldwide presence, um, we truly uh, are the no regrets partner uh, in terms of bringing this type of technology to the marketplace. Uh, and, you know, I will stress if we can focus on getting the fiber in the ground, getting it up on poles, getting it laid out, we will be bringing the technology to truly uh, tap into this infinite amount of capacity uh, that this uh, fiber technology will allow for us. So, Super excited about the next uh, five years here and uh, super excited working with, uh, of course, with you, Gary, and, and the team at FBA. We're almost there. So I'm going to hand it back to you, uh, Gary. Well, David, um, super interesting stuff. And uh, 
I was hoping you get into Shannon's law here, but um, <laughs> tell us. I think the obvious question is, who needs 25 gig pond? I mean, you know, Chattanooga's rolled out network-wide 25 gig pond, and other like AT&T and others are starting to roll it out. So, you know, we were scratching our heads, um, you know, a decade ago on who needs a gig. Then now everybody's got 10 gig, and who needs 25 gig, and who's going to need 100 gig? Well, it, 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 exactly. I mean, you know, I always like to say that, you know, when you have an empty room, you're going to fill it. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, the services, I mean, the services are, are, will be coming. There's no doubt about that. Again, I think the misconception is when we think about 25 gig, we think, oh, well, you know, who needs a 25 gig, you know, connection at your house? It's not about the connectivity coming off of your ONT. It's about the aggregate connectivity on the pond network itself. Think of that FTTH network as kind of a distributed uh, network. And so we're able to offer more uh, across all those subscribers uh, with 25 gigs. So again, business service, I think will be one of the main drivers, but I think at some point there will be an upgrade cycle with GPON. And I think 25 gig could be a really good uh, choice as we look later in this decade. Well, tell us the, what's the difference between coherent pond and pond technology? Yeah, I mean, coherent pond, I mean, uh, one of the one of the interesting things with with coherent is that uh, you know we're borrowing a lot of things from our transport friends. Uh, our transport guys are ones who are doing the metro networks and regional networks, and of course the subsea networks. And they have been using coherent technology for for you know well over a decade now. And again, tech, you know, coherent allows you to use different uh, polarizations of the light. Again, the challenge with with coherent is that it can give you really really high capacity. The problem with coherent is the cost. Uh, access is very, very inexpensive. Uh, that's what our operators, that's what our customers are looking for in the access space. I mean, there is magnitude of difference between the cost of a of a uh, of a uh, direct modulated or direct detect type of uh, uh, system that we use here in the FTTH network and a, and a coherent. So there's a massive difference in cost. There is a place for coherent. There's no doubt about that. But in the access space, I really do believe that you're seeing for a mass market and for the broader market, it will be what we are, are deploying today with direct attack. Hey, so we've been seeing for decades that cable has dominated, you know, broadband subscriptions, and now they're losing market share. They hit the tipping point where they're losing, uh, you know, net ads on subscribers. Um, but you know, they're all I hear all this. Well, Doxus 4.1, that'll be the savior. So. How I mean, how is cable going to compete with Doxus 4.1? Well, I mean, I, I think you know, if if I look at you know with 3.1 and, and 3, uh, I mean, it, you know, with that, you know, they brought to, they were able to get to gigabit speeds in the downstream. Um, I think the big challenge with cable overall is simply the upstream path. I mean, they we've been talking about going from low split to mid split to high split for for a very 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 long time. Um, you know, this is one of the, this is their Achilles heel of, of, of a cable network uh, is that upstream path. Uh, they will have to make, a, you know, a major improvements to, the, to their outside plant to get there. Now, we can argue about how much that's going to cost and so forth. And of course, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's been discussed quite a bit. Um, but I think if we look at, you know, 4.0 and, and, and we look at uh, um, the very, there's different variations of uh, DOCSIS 4.0, um, you know, it's going to, there will be challenges and changes that have to actually happen inside the home uh, in terms of actually, you know, that, that cable network inside your home has to be addressed. And I think that's, that's maybe the lurking time bomb with DOCSIS uh, 4.1 or 4.0 um, that, uh, so, but I, again, they're, they're, you saw on the enterprise chart, I mean, the fiber network is going to take more and more, especially on the business services 
uh, away from from those cable cable networks. You know, that's what my colleagues in Dubai. You know, they the big thing for them is fiber to the room and fiber to the yacht. You know, of course, you have your yacht, you got to have fiber to it. But um, you know, that's what we're seeing is right that as the the need for speed, you know, it's outpacing even what the technologies on Wi-Fi and everything in your home that you need to be able to get fiber all the way to your devices. Um, that's great. It's amazing. So tell me about okay. Last question: fixed wireless. So you know, I <laughs> hear a lot of the fixed wireless industry saying, "Oh, you you need to get fixed. You know, people connected as soon as possible. Throw up some antennas, and you'll get fiber to them later." Um, what is that the solution? You, you know, I, I think for certain places in this country, I think it will it will be the solution. I mean, it, it's uh, you know. The question, obviously, that's I think the the, the sixty four thousand dollar question is exactly what what is that uh, what's that percentage? Um, and you know, obviously, you know, we'll hear from uh, from the government of what you know what the recommendation is. We'll hear from the, each of the state at the state level what that recommendation is. But again, I mean, uh, you know, at Nokia, we we have both uh, fiber technology, we we have uh, radio technology, we, we we do a lot of FWA as well. But again, from a, as a technologist, as I see, you know, call how I'm seeing it. You know, we're looking to build these networks for the future. And you know, when we put this fiber, this glass in the ground, it's you know we have to look at the long game, not just the short game. And if we look at the long game, you know, we're going to to be able to truly enable uh, and bring true digital equity to every community in this country as we look to bring fiber. Uh, you know, you, you saw the the chart before with uh, with FWA. Uh, it was growing for some of the business services, but it was actually complementing some of the existing technologies. So I see FWA really complementing some of the existing technologies that are out there today. But I think going forward in, in time, fiber, uh, there is no match to the, the capacity that fiber is going to bring. And quite frankly, every radio is attached. There's a fiber attached to the radio, right? Uh, so, you know, we'll see how it unfolds here. But um, yeah, I mean, I think FWA has a play, but I think uh, in what we're looking at here in terms of uh, true no regrets, I think fiber is the, the way to go. Well, fiber is uh, wireless's best friend. So David, um, we got tons of questions um, that are coming in. So uh, I'm gonna have to have you um, get back to these people um, offline, but I really appreciate everything. You know, I always love talking to you, David, about technology and Shannon's law, but uh, we'll <laughs> greatly appreciate everything you and your team are doing to advance broadband technology. And thanks again for everybody joining us today and look forward to getting back together next Wednesday for Fiber Breakfast. We'll hear from our good friend Greg Williams from Prisbium on the future of fiber, the top three trends in fiber optic cable. I'm so excited for this session because Greg is Mr. History on fiber optic cable production and he knows it all and I just learn so much when I hear from him. So you're not going to want to miss that. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you guys again next week.